Hey everybody, welcome back to Looking for the Real God. This is Christy Lynn Wood. Today we're starting season four with a look at the season of my life where I figured out I'd actually spent time in a Christian cult. If you've listened to my other episodes, then you know that I always start a new season with stories from my past, kind of explaining who I am and how I got to this place and why I'm passionate about the things that I'm passionate about, etc. And so in the previous seasons, we've gone over days in the cult. We've gone over kind of that middle season in between being in the cult and getting married. And then I shared about times right after I'd gotten married and was having children and how that really affected me. But this time, we're going to actually jump right into recognizing that it was a cult and what happened in just the following years after that that is just really impactful to my story and and who I am and why I'm passionate about the things that I'm passionate about. So if you remember, I left my Christian cult when I was around 22, and I just kind of walked away. And I just stopped thinking, talking, whatever about it. I told people that I had been homeschooled and that we were raised real conservative, and that's as far as I went. I didn't really go into any other details, and I didn't even think about it. I just wanted to get that as far away from me as I could, and work on just living a normal life. And even my rejection of everything as a whole had kind of gotten me labeled as a rebel, and even my own family members weren't quite sure what to do with me. They thought I was super passionate and kind of crazy. Uh, They didn't necessarily agree with all of my statements and beliefs about what we'd been through. But I just just kind of shut that part of my life up. And then a few years ago, when my youngest son was a baby, I found out that the leader of our organization was being accused of sexual harassment by multiple women over the course of multiple years. And it just kind of clicked for me. And as I started doing research, I found a website that was dedicated to former students like myself, people sharing their stories of what had happened and the things that just messed them up and where they were now. I found Facebook groups dedicated to these former students, as we called ourselves. And it all just kind of came crashing down. Now, up to this point in my podcast, I've never really shared direct information about what I was involved in because I wanted this to be very applicable to everybody across the board, but I think it's time for me to just go ahead and say it. So here you go. In case you've been wondering, we were a part of the Institute in Basic Life Principles homeschooling program, which was the Advanced Training Institute, and our leader was a man named Bill Gothard. The interesting thing about Bill Gothard is that he was completely accepted in evangelical circles in like the 70s and 80s. In fact, if you talk to people from that time period, many of them went to his kind of like fringe seminars. Everything he did was kind of a whirlpool, if you will. So it started out real just gentle and fringy. And then the farther in you got and the deeper you went, the crazier it was. And so he had these seminars, the advanced seminar, and then he had the basic seminar. So people would start going to the basic seminar and everything was just a little bit sketchy, but not like super sketchy. It sounded pretty evangelical. It sounded safe. A lot of evangelical leaders supported him and encouraged people to go to the seminars. Then he had the advanced seminar, which was slightly more 
into the crazy and slightly more just deceptive and stuff like that. But then if you went to all those seminars and you really wanted to get into his organization, you had to become part of his homeschooling program, which required a fee to join. You had to agree to a certain set of standards and rules that you would follow. You had to agree not to share any of the curriculum with anybody else who was not a part of the Advanced Training Institute. And it was just a lot of weirdness. And so talking to my parents now, they're like, yeah, there's some definite red flags. You know, pay to get in. You had to follow these rules. You can't tell anybody about it. I mean, it's secretive. We were definitely a part of the elitists once you actually got accepted. Because you had to be accepted into the program. You had to apply and be accepted into this inner circle. And so as I'm reading the news stories that were coming out about these accusations, of sexual harassment, I kind of was like, had this moment where I was like, I, I knew it. Like I had never been harassed at all by him or any of his people because I was never super into the program. But there were some times that I had these weird experiences where I was just like, you know what? Something is off. And at the time, nobody would believe me because, you know, I'm just a girl <laughs> and he's a spiritual man. But we joined this program when I was 12. We went to a giant conference down in Knoxville, Tennessee, with all the other families that were part of this program. And that was the beginning of my indoctrination into the Advanced Training Institute. It used to be of America, and then it went global, so that it was just Advanced Training Institute. And the website for the Institute and Basic Life Principles, IBLP, is still around. You can Google it. You can look it up, and it's going to sound kind of sketchy Christian to you. But it's going to seem pretty normal until you actually realize, what are they even saying? Like, none of this language makes sense. Like, I don't get it. And that's just the tip of the iceberg. Just the tip of the iceberg. Families that you are familiar with, the Duggar family, are actually a part of the Advanced Training Institute run by Bill Gothard. And there are people out there that you would be surprised who are actually connected with this program and this organization and stuff like that. It he he's he's in it everywhere. That especially in the nineties. It was huge in the nineties. As I'm reading these things, I just begin to process my own story and my own life. And my poor husband, who had no idea up until this point of what I'd been through, had to listen to a lot of stories and a lot of memories and a lot of just rehashing of things and wait, this wasn't really true. Like, what in the world is going on? Now, in the Institute, they had these training centers around the United States and a few around the world. And I was never a huge part of what happened at the training centers. Like, most of the crazy stuff and the sexual harassment and things like that happened in the training centers or at the training centers. And I was protected by my father, who, as I've talked about before, is just, he was fringy about this. And he was like, I just don't know. Like, We use the curriculum, but there's just something kind of weird about this. And so I really wanted to go to Romania and to Russia where they had training centers and just be involved with that kind of stuff. And he was always like, yeah, no, I don't think so. The closest I ever got to actually going and doing anything was I would go, I went twice to this young ladies counseling seminar in Indianapolis, Indiana. And these training centers were usually old hotel buildings that they had kind of refurbished and then used for various purposes of training people and mostly training and brainwashing and stuff like that. And so that was the closest I ever got to really being involved in a center until Flint, 
we went to our crazy church in Flint, Michigan. And right about the time that I was getting super like sketchy about everything and backing out, they opened this training center in Flint. And because I was connected with some people down there, they had me coming and doing different things, mostly with children's programs. And it was never official. It was never officially through ATI or IBLP, but I was there, which is where this whole interaction with me and Gothard happened. And this is like the only interaction I really have ever had happened with him, mostly because I just was never around. And the one time I was actually up on stage at a girls conference that I went to, I was giving a testimony and I was just up there sharing what Jesus had done in my heart. And I didn't really care about anything. And I just turned around and left the stage afterwards and only realized later that he was like waiting to shake people's hands afterwards. And I just, I, I guess I left him hanging because I don't know. I didn't shake his hand. I just went down. But in Flint one time, as I'm just getting really sketchy about everything, he came and he came to the center. And the pastor that I was working with wanted to introduce me because he really respected him, respected Gothard still. And I don't know if he was just trying to get me in, having no idea what actually happened to girls that got in with him. I don't know. I just remember that he was like, Christy, you need to come over here and, and meet Bill Gothard. And Christy at this point was like rebellious and sketchy and cynical. And in my mind, Bill Gothard always talked about um, the eyes being the window to the soul. And he would always go on and on about your bright, shining eyes. And he just wanted all the girls to have these shining eyes because they're the window to the soul. And so I was like, okay, dude, your eyes are the window to your soul. Like, what's in your soul? I'm going to stare you in, stare you down. Oh, I did. I shook his hand and I stared right into his eyes. And, and I'll never forget what I saw because I just, I just saw blackness. I just saw darkness. And he was not impressed by this very bold and um, rebellious young woman. And I never talked to him again. There was no request for me to come and do anything with him because I was not the type of woman that he wanted to have around him. But I remember coming away from that interaction and just being like, "Uh uh-huh, I thought so. And I tried to tell people about that and people would just be like, Christy, you're being so judgmental. Christy, he was probably just having a bad day. Christy, you know, whatever. And I was like, nope, nope. I looked, I saw, and I don't believe it and I'm done. And so as I'm going through these processes and Facebook posts and articles on this website called Recovering Grace, talking about the Institute and everything to do with Gothard and Institute stuff. It just made sense. It just finally made sense. My life finally made sense. I was able to put it into words and like I was raised in a cult. Like I spent 10 years of my life in this Christian cult and the freedom to call it what it was, was amazing. Now, it took time. It took years. It took months of like hardcore just talking and processing. And people don't understand. I mean, I have people tell me like, why are you talking about this all the time? Just let it go. And I was like, dude, I am letting it go. This is how I'm letting it go. Talking about it. And so I hesitate to share the you know specifics of my experience because I feel like in the past, it's kind of gotten people distracted. Like they just want to talk about cults and they want to know more details about my cult and stuff like that. But I want this to be applicable to everyone across the board because so many of you who are listening have been been involved with churches that were unhealthy or mission organizations or ministries that were unhealthy and religious and other cultic experiences that you've experienced. And so there are things that are similar across across the board for all of those things. But this is my experience. And now you know, this is the name of my organization that I was a part of. If you want to know more about it, go to recoveringgrace.org and they will tell you everything that you ever wanted to know. 
And I have a couple other resources that I'll link in my notes to this podcast as well. But dealing with this kind of stuff is interesting. I, I'm missing my 90s, 1990s, basically. Are, I don't have any pop culture references. I haven't watched most of the movies. I never listened to the music. And so people would talk about this, you know, joking around about this, that, and the other person. And I, I don't know what they're talking about. I don't know that name. I don't, I've never watched that movie. Like, I, I don't have any reference for that. And since marrying my wonderfully opposite husband, he's caught me up on a lot of it. So things that I, he thinks I might have missed, we, we talk about it. He shows me movies, stuff like that. But having the, the braveness and the ability to say, even though it's jokingly, like, sorry, I got no reference for that. That's what the 90s in a cult. That was so healing to be able to say that. To stop having to pretend, to stop having to try to make people think I'm normal, but just be like, yep, don't got it. I was in a cult. And, but even that people didn't get, because I had people saying, you know, you, you gotta just stop. Like, the, there's no point in saying that. Well, there is. And if you've gone through stuff like that, you know, you have to process, you have to think about it, you have to talk about it, and then eventually you can move on. But for a while, you have to just go there. So if you're dealing with stuff like this, just recognize that people aren't gonna understand, that your emotions are gonna be all over the place. You'll have good days, you'll have bad days, you'll have days where you think your world is falling apart. Like deconstruction and reconstruction are hard. And when you have to just stop and be like, wait, what was anything I believed true? Was any of the stuff that I was taught true? Is all of my theology completely corrupted? Like what what in the world? It's hard. It is not an easy experience. But it is worth it. So just do the hard work of deconstruction. And even if you're just deconstructing from a normal church, it's not just deconstructing because it's still difficult. If you've been taught lies in a controlling, legalistic, religious scenario, there's stuff that you're trying to deconstruct. If you've been involved in prosperity gospel, there's stuff you're trying to deconstruct. Give yourself grace. Give yourself time. Understand that it's going to be hard. It's going to be emotional. It's going to be difficult. There's going to be things when you're just like, I don't want to do this anymore. But guys, the real Jesus is worth it. He is findable and he is worth it. So do the hard work. Don't give up. Don't stop. People ask me sometimes, why is it so important to have the truth? Like, why do you need to like find the truth? What's truth? Who really cares about truth? My truth is different from your truth. I hear this kind of stuff. But the truth about God and the truth about ourselves is vital if we are going to live authentic, whole, healthy, flourishing lives. We have to know who the real God is. We have to know who we are. We have to find truth and salvation and grace. We need to understand all of it. There is immense peace and security that comes. And understanding who this wonderful and amazing and loving and huge and terrifying and powerful God is and who we are as his creatures who are dearly loved and desired. And so I would just encourage you guys, I don't know where you're at. If you just be like, hey, this is a cool podcast. Or if you are dealing with spiritual abuse and stuff that you're trying to deconstruct from. But give yourself grace. Give yourself time. Recognize that this is hard work. 
And there are things that are going to be triggering and things that you were just going to like lose your mind over. <laughs> when I was first deconstructing everything, the Duggars were on TV trying to be like awesome and normal. And I was like, no, 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 no. You are not awesome or normal. You are in a cult and you are scary. And so that was totally triggering. I mean, totally triggering. So there's going to be stuff that's triggering. There's going to be stuff that's hard. And that's okay. It's okay. It's worth it. So I would say two things for sure. Find a good counselor. I did not go through counseling in the time when I was deconstructing everything, but I was able to be in counseling a while after that. And it was wonderful. Just wonderful to find validation, to be heard, to be understood, to have questions asked that you can just kind of like process stuff and figure things out. Why am I doing this? And why am I like this? And wonderful things. So find a good counselor. And second, don't make any serious decisions while you're in the middle of the emotional deconstruction. Like just put all those serious decisions aside or get a good counselor and advice to tell you what to do because, oh, it's hard. It's a rough stage. And uh, yeah, just take care of yourself. So next time we're going to be talking about how I was going to write a book, how I'm still trying to write a book, all that good stuff. And then we're going to jump into some more recent history that's really made me who I am today. So excited about that. Looking forward to season four. Thanks for joining. I'll talk to you next time. And until then, keep searching. If you enjoyed this podcast, I would love to have you join me over on my website at christylindwood.com. For more content, free resources, and opportunities to connect with a community of people who are looking for the real God.